I bought edible cookie dough at Costco last weekend. I thought you were going somewhere else with that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> when you say edible cookie dough. Because you know how you're not supposed to eat cookie dough because it's got raw egg in it? Right, right, right. So right, this right. is like a, I think this is also vegan. Because presumably like all cookie dough is edible if you cook it <laughs> if right. You cook it. Right, right, right. I get that. <laughs> so this you can eat raw or you can and cook it. what's your experience? I haven't cooked it yet, but I've had some raw and it's very nice. I used to just make cookies, like make cookies but not cook them. But there was really? more egg in them for sure. Yeah. Like I was definitely just making a, any cookie and yeah. then just eating the batter. The whole thing? Sometimes. Wow. Yeah. I like to go big or or, or go mi- not quite go as big. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go God. big or give yourself salmonella. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome Thank- to My Favourite Musical. Yes, podcast. I feel like we haven't recorded a pod- like an episode in a long time. Like a good month. It has been, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Dark and Young people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening. Indeed, and that was Josephine. And that is Ruth. Yes, and we're your hosts. Yes, that's right. For my favourite musical. Episode 55. Yes, I noticed that. That's fun. I love that as mm. a number. Yeah, 55. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you got any apologies? Oh. <laughs> That's really pointed. Yeah, actually, Ruth, I do have an apology. <laughs> it's not so much an apology as like a correction. I, yeah, I incorrectly said in our last episode that the Gilded Age was good. It's not. It's really not. Had you just watched the trailer and were like, I'm going to love this? Yeah, I'd watched the trailer and I think we'd watched like the first 10 minutes and then had to go to bed or something. Yeah, okay. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like this is going to be great. And just all the – like I was just blindsided by all, all the Broadway stars yeah. for sure. But then we we did not finish the first episode. We got about, I would say, 40 minutes in and I was like, this is shit. I want to be really clear that this is a sticking point between Josephine and I because I fucking love The Gilded okay, Age. Okay, but Ruth also doesn't like Ozark and so like <laughs> – okay. Okay. I don't know. Everyone. I just don't know. I like Ozark, but Josephine <laughs> loves Ozark. I love Ozark. Can I just tell you why – Big Gilded Age is really bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's got it's really poor scripting. It's poor scripting. It's really poorly written. It's too much exposition. Like there's so much of just like, oh, okay, you're just explaining your backstory to me for no reason. There's this weird also like Downton-esque underscoring throughout the entire thing that is like highly emotive and orchestra like it's orchestral. And I'm like, it's not that is not necessary. Also, the camera work is really weird like there's just like weird drone work where you like see a street and then it like zooms in on a weird angle and you're like well what was what was that for someone just got a cool camera and was like let's try this it feels like a mishmash of a show I want to be clear that all that I needed (laughs) was a plethora of Broadway stars (laughs) and like Something set in like old school New York like (laughs) it is is like like, it's ticking a lot of boxes for you uh, yeah like I love it. And yeah. I have not noticed any of these things that Josephine is critiquing. Hilarious. Because I could not. Like, I'm now, it's like episode six or something. I've I'm literally up to. written down all those Broadway legends cannot save this show. <laughs> because it was at the stage where I'm like, I'm sorry, but no. Like, Christine Baranski, you're wonderful, you're great, but what is around you is a pile of steaming shit. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so, like, Josephine messages me, like, after, you know, obviously giving up on the first episode <laughs> and was just like, no, I hate this show. And yeah. I was like, no. And, I was <laughs> and like, also you told the people <laughs> that it was good. But everyone you've told that you loved it. Yeah, I don't I, It was not correction. true. That is a, so please, I'm so sorry. If you have spent any time on it because of anything I've said, I'm very sorry. I'm so sorry. It was a big mistake. Do you have any apologies? Um, It's not so much an apology, just a, I don't know, a note. Um, Notes. (laughs) We had a request to add the Tick, Tick, Boom song. So when Josephine covered Tick, Tick, Boom on the podcast, it was pre 
the movie coming out, obviously, it was like a year ago or so. So there's nothing on Spotify. Yeah, so um, we didn't have any songs from Tick, Tick, Boom on the Gateway song playlist. So I have gone and added those to the Gateway song playlist. Oh, you're so good. Um, The only thing that we couldn't add was See Her Smile because it's not in the Yeah, which I have talked about extensively. Yes, (laughs) it's upsetting because it's like. You, you said in the episode it's like one of your favourite songs like in the world. It's one of my favourite songs in the world and not and having that be omitted from the film was gutting yeah. because that film is beautiful but why would you not have that song Indeed. in there? Do you think he'll win the Oscar? I hope so. Yeah, me too. A lot of people are saying that um, Will Smith will probably win. I hope for, not. Um, um, lately I've just been feeling this incredible attraction to Andrew Garfield. Oh, I've had that for years. Yeah, no, I haven't. Really? I haven't. It was probably actually when we when we saw Angels in America, yes. I think that's when it began where I was like, oh, no, I'm in love with you. Yeah, yeah. And now I just, it's like, it's a, it's serious. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> I hope he wins because he deserves it. Yeah, so do I. I really think he deserves it. I don't know if it'll happen, but, mm. um, yeah, I mm. really do too. Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing you've watched I finally since... watched West Side. Yes, that's what I had a note. Yes. Josephine has watched West Side Story, which is exciting. Oh. It's on Disney Plus now, everyone. Yes. There's also a behind-the-scenes, um, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm very keen to, yeah. little behind-the-scenes documentary on Disney Plus Yeah. that I'm definitely going to watch at some stage. Yeah, same. Because I, I, this is a mad side note, but I was listening to that podcast, um, You Are Good. Yeah. And there was an, it was an episode about Jurassic Park, so they were talking a lot about Steven Spielberg and sort of his, like, origin stories. Yeah. And he's such a fascinating man um and there were some really interesting stories that they told about his relationship with oh god i'm gonna forget the name of the filmmaker it was basically the filmmaker who was responsible for some like major helicopter crash that happened on a set oh, oh wow it? and it killed three children oh my goodness oh i can't anyway it's a whole thing but i'm just really fascinated by steven spielberg yeah as and he person. always wanted to make a musical apparently yes. yeah um and, and he wanted to he always wanted to butcher one of my favorite novels of all time ready player one and oh, he yes. succeeded <laughs> so well done steven spielberg but you like a lot of his other films right? oh yeah. yeah like jurassic park is one of my favorite films yeah. i love jaws yeah um obviously like schindler's list is amazing yeah et um et great like there's heaps of obviously heaps of good stuff um Ready Player I, One was a piece of trash. Colour Purple is him as well, isn't is it? Is it? I think it is. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say that uh, he's always wanted to make a musical and he was one of the producers on Smash, the TV show. Yes, I did know and, that. And will be one of the producers, I believe, on like the, the the stage version they're working on kind of thing. Oh, Saving Private Ryan is the big one, oh, of yes. course. Yeah. That's like my second favourite film of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is interesting to me. Mm. And in my head, because when I heard that, I heard that before West Side came out, I was like, oh, here we go. Like just a, a really great, obviously a great director who's like, oh, I, I should just do a musical. Yeah. But he did this so beautifully. So beautiful. Yeah, so you loved it, obviously. Yeah, so let me tell you, um, uh, it was beautiful. Like yeah. I just adored it. We, um, What I loved, uh, so many things I loved about it, but it made Re- West Side Story relevant in mm. a way that I didn't think it could. Yeah. Like um, it was a gorgeous interpretation, beautiful casting, I thought, across the board. Um, yeah. It, for me, flawless. Like yeah. it was really flawless. It was such a great experience. And just some of the characterizations that had I'd never really considered before. Like I thought Officer Krupke was a really interesting character. And um, obviously like Anita was great. I thought Tony was interesting. I just like... I loved the the sort of relevance of the gang tensions and the racial tensions like that. Yeah, yeah. it was just really well done. I um I listened to Tony Kushner, who of course yes. celebrated what playwright. an absolute legend. Yeah, who wrote the script, who adapted the screenplay to the film. He'd worked with Steven Spielberg before, mm. um, and yeah, I don't really know. Um, how I think they say it in this interview, but I listened to him. He was on um, WTF with Mark Maron yes. not that long ago. Yeah. It's a really good interview. They always um, are, yeah. And they talk about it quite a bit, the process of writing it. Honestly, some of those scenes leading up to, like, songs or, like, there was that moment, there's a scene before something's coming, which is normally Tony and Doc, which are, and Doc was obviously played by um, a woman, uh, who's the woman who Rita played? Marino. Rita Moreno. thank you. Who was the original Who was the original Anita. Anita. Well, and the uh, original yeah. in the, fi- in the, in the film. film, yeah. yeah. But just like scenes like that, they were really succinct, not too much exposition, but beautiful in terms of the backstory. Like Tony Kushner is just um, like a master. Yeah. At, and like who, of course we knew he's great at adaptations, but this is like, this is really. Yeah. 
just in, magnificent. I mean, I really, I mean, I've obviously, Angels in America is one of my favourite plot plays yes. in the world. And, I mean, he is just a genius. A like, genius. A genius. Yeah. 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 And I they think, both are, you know, in well, their own But way. I think, like, without, without well. that script, it could have been a really, it could yes, have been really that's dodgy. that's true. Like, true, yeah. So, mm, and I thought that all the singing was fine. It was yeah. all good. Yeah, I think I said on on the episode where we talked about it. I it's what you it's better than what you would normally expect from a movie yeah, musical. Yeah, I mean, Tony was the only one who's a bit of a letdown for me, um, just because it like I want that like soaring type of tenor, um, yeah, which it wasn't. No. Like he, but for a film, passable. Totally, definitely. totally. I was I and was not disappointed. Well. Can did. I just say like how spoiled we've been for movie musicals in the last like eighteen uh, months? Right. It's been like, whoa, what's ha- what's going mm-hmm. on? Let's keep this going. Did you send me a meme where it was like West Side Story, Darren Hanson, no, West Side Story, In the Heights, Tick, Tick, Boom, and they're kind of like celebrating on top of the water and then like Darren Hanson is like drowning at the yes. bottom of the water? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so and true, I think though. there was like Encanto was just like, like up oh, on yes, a diving yeah. board or something. Yeah, because fuck Dear Evan Hansen. I still haven't watched Encanto. Yeah, nor have no, I. No, I need to. Well, I was going to watch it with Reagan, and then I was like, yes, let's watch it together, and she went and watched it without me. Oh, so, no. And I, betrayal. I, betrayal. Yeah. Not that I can't watch a kid's movie without a kid, but, yeah. you know. Um, I was going to say as well um, that um, I just really hope now that it's on Disney+, Plus, like heaps of people get to see it. Because 100%. it didn't do that well commercially at the at It was the, a bad the time. Theaters. It was yeah. a bad time. But, yes, I agree. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, what did I watch? This is such a sidebar. Uh, I watched Being the Ricardos. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I think you will love it. Okay, cool. Like, of, I, I don't. I don't enjoy Nicole Kidman as an actress. We have discussed this before, yes. But Aaron Sorkin is like my personal yes. um, guide for life, and he has done an amazing job. It was such a beautiful story. It was like it's like a really it's very strong on the minutiae of like okay. a, a short amount of time, but it's really fascinating. Yeah, awesome. It's a great, yes, I, I it's highly on recommend Prime, it. isn't it? It's on Amazon, yeah, yes. Okay. Highly I'll, recommend I'll it. Watch it. We were going to watch House of Gucci, I think, was the other one we were going to watch, but I don't think it's out yet. No, so. I don't think it is. Yeah, so. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. I recommend this. Um, yeah. Javier Bardem is yes, in it. Yes, um, the husband, um, Desi, yes, Desi, is Desi, yeah. Desi Arnaz, yeah. Um, my only other note, um. Oh, and J.K. Simmons is in there. That's how oh, I was going to connect it to Broadway. I love J.K. Simmons. <laughs> Such a tenuous link, but yeah. he was in. Well, Aaron Sorkin's written plays. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, my other note, uh, mm-hmm. news, piece of news is that Kimberly Akimbo, the Janine Tesori musical, which was off Broadway, um, a couple of months ago. Uh, is has been announced for Broadway. Oh, great! Um, so, and uh, what I'm particularly excited about is it's Broadway. Uh, Bonnie Milligan back on Broadway. Oh, great! You know who was in Head Over Heels, yes. belting Bonnie on a lot of platforms. Like, just an incredible talent. Yeah. And um, yeah, she hasn't been on Broadway in a little while. So, geez, that's great. Yeah. So she's. I think she likes the like the kind of supporting lead. And we love Janine Tesori. Exactly. So very keen for that. I've heard great things about it. So Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. And it's like a new original musical, you know. So um, a friend, a mutual friend of ours is going to New York very soon mm. and he said to me, um, I'll be there for maybe three days, what should I do? And he just meant New York generally and I was like, well, here are the shows that you have to see. He was like, oh, I can probably only see one and it'll have to be one that we all agree on. Yeah. I was like, well, it, I think it should just be Hades Town. Um, and he's really into it, but he's like, oh, I think we'll end up watching something like We Will Rock You or something. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't think that's on Broadway at the moment. But, yeah. um, but sure, whatever. So if we can like maybe both be a little voice in his okay. ear as to what he should see, regardless yeah. of what his family thinks they want to see. Yeah. Um, yes. I will stick on my guns that it must be Hades Town. but yeah. Yeah. Any other suggestions from the world out there, please let us know. Indeed. What should a person who's never been to New York before yeah. see on Broadway if they can only see one show at the moment? <laughs> I love that you gave them a whole list. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, no, I meant New York generally. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. That's what when else you go to New York there? to do, right? <laughs> Maybe yeah. go to like MoMA or something. I don't oh, know. I do miss it. Hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. I was used to going very regularly as well. You yes, know. you poor privileged white uh, lady. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Hey, do you want to talk about the musical Hair? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock musical. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, I've got lots of thoughts, but my initial thing I would say is um, 
I think I like the musical more at the now, end of researching it than at the beginning. I am completely in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I actually didn't like it when I started researching this and now I just feel very much like, oh, no, like hair is fine. Yes. I don't, it's not like a musical I'm ever going to be connected to. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the experience that so many other people have had with it. Yeah. Um, but I see its relevance and I also enjoy the music. Like I, I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those sorts yeah, of shows. Yeah, exactly. I think I thought it was something quite different. And in, in the experiences that I've had with it, I thought it was something really serious and really. Oh, interesting. Like I, I feel like I've seen, because I've seen a few amateur productions and I feel like I've seen very like earnest productions mm, of hair yeah where it's just not really that show. yeah you kind of have to have fun with it or yeah it's, it's got to be like yeah. quite sweet yeah and not like anyway we'll yeah, get into that but yeah I'm glad you had the same experience then yeah so what's your background with it well I think I've I've only ever seen I've seen the film and I've seen maybe two different amateur productions and that's it I didn't really enjoy any of those experiences yeah so I think I saw the film when I was quite young though it was like yeah, one of those I videos haven't, I haven't seen the film I almost watched it this week yeah it's not like it was not a great film yeah you know like it was not a huge experience for me but also like I don't think that at the age I was when I saw it, I would have gotten anything from it anyway. Yeah. So yeah, like I've always just been a bit like, oh yeah, hair. Like hair is an, an influential and important musical, and it's one that I don't really like. Yeah. That's yeah. always been my experience. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Yeah. So I've got um, a, a few things to say about my background with it. So I've seen the show twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the first was an amateur production locally, and the other was the professional semi-staged version that toured Australia a few years ago. Funnily enough, our mutual friend Joe was in both productions. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Like, um, and I have two stories that are related to the show, sort of tangentially. The first is that my dad would often talk really fondly about this musical when I was growing up. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, okay, I see that. And so my parents uh, were definitely like what we would describe as hippies. Like you look at photos of them, etc. Now, I don't think they would describe themselves that way because they weren't particularly like counterculture. No. They, they were quite straight-laced, etc. But And that was just obviously like the fashions and the look of the time, right? Yeah. But they were like, they weren't like definitely like protests against the Vietnam yes. War, were very like peace loving, etc. But they weren't sort of like uh smoking bongs in orgies and Correct. stuff like that. It yeah. wasn't that world. But what I will say is um what my dad would say to me, he goes, I just remember having the best feeling after seeing this show, yes. you know? And and he goes, and then his second follow-up comment was like, of course, that may have been because I was stoned. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like I don't really remember them talking about really smoking marijuana much at all, I think. But I think a that little was bit, like, probably, like it was around everywhere at that time. Yeah, it was, they were probably just stoned by association though, yeah, right, exactly. for most of the 60s. But, yeah, so like he has this really fond memory of the show and I think that's always kind of been a bit of a, mm. um, that's always sort of stuck in my mind about it. Yeah. Um, the other story, which is something that I really co- hold quite dear to my heart is that I've had the privilege of having dinner with one of the three writers of hair, James Rado. I did not know that. Really? Yes. So he's a friend of a friend of mine. Wow. Um, yeah. And in 2017, it's my friend Rodney, who I went to uni yeah. with. Um, we were both in New York. We happened to be in New York at the same time. And he was having dinner with James, with Jim, um, uh, before seeing Hello Dolly that night. And so, um, I, and I was, happened to also be seeing the show that night. Um, and so we all had dinner together. Wow. And so, um, also like Hello Dolly was on Broadway at the same time as hair. So hair wasn't on Broadway. Oh yes. The original you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's weird. I know that is weird. Anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and so we had a great dinner. Like he's mm. really fast because he's 90 now, I yeah. think. So, yeah, he would have been like 85 or so. Um, we had a great dinner. And, of course, so Gavin Creel, yeah. who, who played Claude in the most recent Broadway revival of yes. Hair, was in that production of Hello, Dolly. <laughs> and so he came out to say hi to Jim afterwards. And so I was then there, like, chatting away to Gavin Creel as well. I have a photo with him and my friend. Jeez. And, and there was, like, this um, young man who – Gavin had obviously like been talking to Gavin. like a fan. Yeah, yeah, Gavin, yeah, Gavin. Mr. Creel. Yeah. Um and and about hair. Like he'd obviously been chatting to this and so he was sort of having said hi to Jim or whatever and goes, "Oh, I've got to grab this kid and and introduce you to him." And and he was kind of like, "Oh, um 
you know, whatever this kid's name was, this is this is Jim Reno. He wrote Hair and, and this kid just starts crying because he had just played like Claude in like yeah, his right. like local production or whatever. Yeah. And then and then Gavin Creel had this whole like spiel about that's what hair does. It brings like this is it, like in the ether, like, you know, yeah. stuff like that's what happens with this show. Yes. And it's always bringing people together. Like when we were at dinner, we were sitting outside um, like in, in New York, like in Hell's Kitchen somewhere. And like a guy walked past and like came up to Jim and said, hello, he'd played, he'd been in a touring production of hair years ago. You know, like it is that's that yeah. sort of thing, obviously. This is what I didn't know until I researched the show. Yeah. It was like, oh, actually the, f- the vibe about hair is so beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And everyone is like, hair. Yeah. And I did hair and I was here when I saw hair and like, yeah. this is how I felt. And it's just, it's like, I, it feels universal the way Absolutely. that people at the time responded to yeah. hair. Yeah, so like I'll always um, like you know have that experience. That's and lovely, it was amazing. It's and a great yeah. story. So yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, my story. Shane said to me was like, uh, okay, yeah, I went and saw hair. I took a, a girl on a date, on a first date to see hair. I didn't know what hair was, and she thought I was a mad creep because there's that like there's a lot of sex and there's yeah. a lot of drugs and there's there's, there's slight nudity and. I, I, I think I might, um, when we see your husband later tonight, be like, was it the original Australian production of hair? We always just make fun of Shane Poor for how old he is. <laughs> Poor Shane. I'm sure it was a later, a later production. Yes, I don't think it was in the 60s, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. <laughs> Do um, you want to know the sort yeah, of t- plot? Yeah, tell us about the, the plot. Um, so I'm going to be honest, no matter how many plot summaries I read or productions I actually saw, uh, the plot is still just a little bit out of my reach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. more It's more a series of vignettes with a loose plot or more just like it's like a moment in time almost. Yeah. And it's about how the characters are feeling and, yeah, anyway. So we're in New York City. It's 1967 and um, our main characters are Claude, uh, Berger and Sheila. Yeah, Berger, I think. Oh, is it Berger? Yeah, Berger. And they've got like a tribe. Yeah. Like their tribe of people. It's just a bunch of really like free loving hippies who are fundamentally just struggling to balance their desire for a world free of war and, you know, um, oppression with the violence of the world at the time. Like contextually, it's a very violent time. Yeah. Um, they deal with like a huge, a major topic is conscription. So Claude gets called up for Vietnam. Um, they deal with sex, they deal with drug taking, lots of in inverted commas controversial topics. Claude struggles with the fact that he's been drafted. Um, his conservative parents like hate his lifestyle, so there's a lot of um there's a lot of tension yeah, there. Yeah, like that mainstream versus That's it. It's yeah. just like that counterculture this sort is of what thing. What you have to do with your life. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they're in New York, so there's lots of like they're all sort of like privileged people, um, for the most part, the main leads are yeah. so they all come from sort of money and like you should have a career and it's all that sort of stuff um but these people just all sing they sing about drugs and about sex and about getting naked for the rest of the show basically until claude pretty much enters in a military uniform having cut off his hair yeah. which is like a sign of having long hair was um it sort of meant that like you you weren't in the army because like you had to have short hair to be in the army. So if you have long hair, that's like your own sort of um, protest. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, he's cut off his hair. He's in his military uniform, having sort of given into the establishment. Um, But like in that sense of sort of duty and rather than it being, I don't know, like the man one, it's more like the world sort of needs us or whatever. Like there's lots of, yeah. Um, But like the point of the show isn't the plot. No. And so you don't go to hair to like watch a story unfold. The point is the message. Like it's all about the message and the love. And I actually think in some ways maybe removing more of the plot would make it a stronger show. I totally agree. Yeah. Like there are some moments where you're like, oh, I didn't need to know that. Like no. I didn't need that. Yeah. There's so many great songs and great little vignettes that you don't need those really tenuous links. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, so it's really like it's just about it's just about love and it's about acceptance and it's about like, yes, being countercultural for the time, but really not. Like it's just a, a really sweet, like beautiful view of the world mainly. Yeah. It's just that's the message to me. It's like, yeah. oh, the world is a lovely place. Yeah, absolutely. That's really it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so a bit of background. Please. So um, it's a book and lyrics by Jerome Ragney and James Rado and music by Galt McDermott. So this is like definitely the most well-known thing that any of these guys have done, obviously, although – 
I will, like, side note, Galt McDermott did go on to write Two Gentlemen of Verona. Yes. Which we have mentioned on here several times before. Because. because yeah. It's the musical that won the <laughs> 1972 Tony for Best Musical. Yes. Beating out Follies, <laughs> Grease. And Jesus Christ Superstar, which was not even nominated for Best Musical. Yeah, and Two Gentlemen of Verona, as we all know, very famous musical. It has lived on in infamy, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just I will I will always go back to that point. Yeah. Um. He he also did go on to write Dude with Ragni and Via Galactica with some other collaborators, both of which are very famous flops. Um. I think one ran for like one performance, and the other maybe like a month. But like Via Galactica was like super expensive, and it was like a massive flop. Um, so um, Rado and Ragni were both actors in New York City and they met in 1964 performing in an off-Broadway musical that ended up also being a flop. Um, and they started writing Hair that year and they really wanted it to reflect like the hippie movement at the time and what was happening on the streets. And they knew lots of people who were trying to, uh, you know, dodge the draft of the Vietnam War mm. and they were sort of communing in the in Central Park at what they called beans mm. um, and that sort of thing. So... They just really wanted to write a show that was reflective of, like, that community and that time yes. kind of thing. So they brought their draft of the show to a producer friend of theirs who introduced them to Galt McDermott to write the songs for it. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, Galt McDermott was, like, this real, like, sort of straight-laced family guy. Apparently he had four kids. He lived on Staten Island. And like, he... it was this kind of weird marriage. But I he, love that. But apparently he, like, really wanted to write a rock musical. That, yeah. was, that was sort of the idea. Um, so the three then... But, like, okay, so you're saying these things, which is, like, it's all all very true but I don't think like do you understand people out there how groundbreaking that was in itself like a person wanting to write a rock musical yes, and also people right. writing a musical about what was happening right then at the time yeah, exactly. like this musical is so important historically because these things hadn't happened before that's right. no one was writing a show about what was happening on the ground yeah. and no one was writing rock musicals exactly so like these three dudes coming together is like you know it was serendipity yeah huge and and again so like they then um try and shop the show that they've written around to a bunch of different producers. No one wants a bar well, no, of it. Of course not. Eventually, um, Joe Papp, who ran the public theatre, mm. decided it would be the show to open the brand new theatre space that they had down in the East Village. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was a big deal in itself, yeah. you know. Um, so, Hair premiered Off-Broadway at the Public on October 17th, 1967, and just ran for a limited engagement of six weeks initially. Um, it then... Uh, the show then moves to the Cheetah, which was a discotheque <laughs> at 53rd Street and Broadway, and it ran there for 45 performances at the end of 1967. Um, it then, like, to move to Broadway on, undergoes, like, a huge overhaul. Mm. So between closing at the Cheetah in January 68 and its Broadway opening three months later, um, basically, like, they actually did take out more plot yeah. at that point. Um, and they also made it more realistic. Yeah. And they added 13 new songs, <laughs> um, including Let the Sunshine In. It wasn't in there pri prior to Broadway. Yes. Um, and the idea was to make the ending more uplifting. And there was also a new director and choreographer. So, like, Big changes. it's essentially a, you a know, different basically show. a different show. Yeah. So Hair opens on Broadway at the Biltmore Theatre on April 29th, 1968. Uh, that's now the Samuel J. Friedman Theatre um, and is run by MCC, I think it is, like one of the plays subscription companies. Yeah. Um, so the production the production ran on Broadway for four years and 1,750 performances yeah. closing on July 1st, 1972. That, like, that's a long time for then. You for know? that time of, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. it's massive. Big run. And um, once it opened on Broadway, Broadway, Rado and Ragni played Claude and Berger respectively. Nice. And it is, um, uh, it is somewhat, autobiographical about them yes. as people kind of thing. Um, so I found this really interesting. I had no idea that they became embroiled in a lawsuit with the organisers of the Tony Awards. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, this. so basically um, the producer had been assured that commencing previews by April 3rd, 1968 would assure eligibility for consideration for the 1968 Tonys. But then the New York Theatre League ruled them ineligible, like moving the cutoff date to March 19th. Basically, um, 
there was like a, they had some correspondence between the league and this producer saying we're planning to open on this date. They were like, "Yep, great, that'll be fine." And then essentially, oh, that's dodgy. yeah, and then essentially like they did that, and then they were like, "Oh, the turns out the cutoff date's this date." So they instead they opened like right at the beginning of the next season, which is not what you want because then you don't yeah, get like you get the, forgotten. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. So um, they actually like tried to sue them, but it was um, but it was they were unable to force them to reconsider. So instead they were eligible for the 1969 Tony Awards, uh, at which they were nominated for Best Musical and Best Director but lost out to 1776 in both of those categories. Yes. So, like, from what I understand (laughs) – oh, bless you. Thank you. um, From what I understand, like, I think the league just really did consider it to be, like, like this radical – like, oh, no, they they are the establishment. They didn't want this sort of yeah. anti-establishment. We can't have this yeah, show exactly. in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like, it got quite good reviews. So, obviously, that wasn't, like, it's critical I don't reception. think it did. I thought it, was, I thought it was, like, some were really good and some weren't. Yeah, it was, like, every sort of, like, um, middle-aged man didn't like it. Yeah. But otherwise it was pretty popular. But, yeah. like, the traditional critics did not like it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. Um, it then opened at the Shaftesbury Theatre in London on September 27th, 1968. Um, I thought this was really interesting. The opening night was delayed in the UK until the abolition of theatre censorship yes. in England under the Theatres Act 1968 so that it could include nudity, nudity. and profanity. Yeah. Um, so it actually in London surpassed the Broadway production. It ran for 1,997 performances until it was closed um, by the fact that the roof of the theatre collapsed in 1973. So, like, yeah, but, like, five years it ran in London. Yeah, wow. Which is kind of surprising to me. It surprised me when I read that too. Yeah. Like, to to go from we have to wait until the laws change to be able to do this to, oh, we're going to do a five-year run. Yeah. Like, Um, and maybe longer if if the theatre hadn't. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I don't know why I assume that British audiences are more conservative, but actually, like, we know that no, the Broadway right. is actually quite conservative. Yes. A Broadway audience. You're right. And and we do assume that. But I think that the other thing is that plays in Britain have always been quite, like, in your face yes, and groundbreaking. Right. And so we just, yeah, I don't know why we assume that, but it's not true. I, I think we just think of British people as being more conservative yes. probably. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, um, then comes the film, mm-hmm. which premieres in 1979. It was directed by Milos Forman, which I didn't mm. realise, I don't think. Obviously quite a famous film director. It was also generally considered a success. Yes. Um, especially considering, like, as we talked about, there's, like, not a lot of plot in the source material and they tried to add yeah. more to the film. Um, but the composers don't approve of it. No. Um, they've stated on the record any resemblance between the 1979 film and the original Biltmore version, other than some of the songs, the names of the characters, and a common title eludes us. Mm. So they are, like, not fans of the it film. It is pretty different. Yeah. Well, like, they've taken out the whole kind of, like, Vietnam War yeah. aspect. They're not really, like, it protesting. Is, it's very different. And there are a lot of, like, when you read about it, it's very much like a music – this is a movie that is loosely based on the musical Yeah, hair. Like, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's been lots of revivals and tours over the years. Um, I would uh, – you know, I can't really go through them all, but I just want to mention a few. Mm. Um, so there is the 2004 Actors Fund benefit that was held at the New Amsterdam so Theatre. So good. So good. So um, the cast recording is available on Spotify. It's one of the recordings that we will link to yeah. um, at the end. But It is so good. I want to mention, so the tribe, oh, we should mention the tribe is what you always describe the cast of hair as. Yes. You always refer to them as the tribe because that's the, the group of hippies This kind was of thing. before MLMs took that word and made it gross. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so the tribe included Shoshana Bean, Rala Spaza, Liz Calloway, Gavin Creel, yeah. um, Aidan Espinosa, Harvey Feierstein, Anna Gasteyer, Jennifer Hudson, Julia Murney, Jay Rodriguez, RuPaul, Laura Benanti, and Adam Pascal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just listen to the recording. Like Lilius White too, right? Lilius White, yes. Yeah. She was on that list. Yeah, so good. So, like, what a list. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and, like, the cream of Broadway, obviously, yes. especially at that point. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just go and listen to that. It's so good. Um, I also want to mention, um, so the 2009 Broadway revival, it began as a three-performance production at the Public Theatre in 2007 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the show. Mm. And, like, basically, like, demand was incredibly high. Um, So the public presented a fully staged production of that nine months later at their outdoor theatre, the Delacorte, Mm. in Central Park for a limited run of two months. Um, 
So that was directed by Diane Paulus. We've mentioned her on the yeah. show a bunch of times. And it starred Jonathan Groff as Claude and Will Swenson as Berger. Um, and that production transfers to Broadway, uh, the Al Hirschfeld Theatre, beginning previews on March 6, 2009. Literally it- this day... It's much six oh, right it is now. Too. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it closes on June 27th, 2010, after um, over 500 performances, and it won Best Revival at the 2009 Tony Awards. Yeah. It was one of the fastest recouping Broadway musicals in history, which I thought oh, was really wow. interesting. Yeah. Well, I just think it's not an expensive show to stage. No, and, and uh, I'd read an article that said, so I think the capitalization was only like $5.5 million, which is quite cheap for a musical. Yes. Um, I mean, especially now, you would never do no. that. Um, but basically it was because it was just after the 2008 recession, recession yeah. and so it was actually quite hard for them to raise the money. Yeah. And so they were sort of keeping costs do down. The but, but what it meant was that they recouped, when it was a smash, yeah. they recouped the money very quick. Yeah. Um, so Will Swenson um, reprised his role as Burger and Gavin, Gavin Creel, Creel took on the role of Claude. Yeah. Um, so after a very successful, like, year. I actually assume that's because Jonathan Groff went on to Glee at that time. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they had a really successful year. And that that tribe, like, it, they got a lot of press. Like, they were really um, cohesive and, like, they were a real family, right? Like, they really bonded that, yeah. that group of people. You would have to, surely. You would have to. Like, I, I remember seeing interviews with them and, you know, like, they sort of, like, cheekily, like, spent the night in the theatre, like, they all, nice. like, slept over there together one night, which is, like, against all the rules, obviously. That does bond a cast. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think there was lots of, like, all of them getting stoned together a yeah. lot and that sort of, of thing, Of course, right? yeah. Um, so that whole original, basically the whole original Revival Tribe transferred to London yeah. to launch the Revival there, and that was at the Gielgud Theatre um, from April 1st, twenty. 10 to September 2010. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so those are sort of the main ones. Obviously it's been to Australia several times. Um, I think I have a note later. It launched, uh, it was um, Marsha Hines' first um, nice. um, stage yes. production because she came from America, remember, yeah. remember um, in Australia. Um, I also wanted to mention that original Australian cast had John Waters and Reg Livermore as Claude and Berger. Like, how awesome is that? That's so cool. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and also in Australia, like, it, it broke box office records here. It ran for two years. But interestingly, because of some of the language in the show, the Australian cast album was banned in Queensland and New Zealand. Shock horror, Queensland. Had, I know, of course. Yeah. What I do love is that, like, every every sort of opening production of Hair is, has the same, it's like, oh, my God, yeah. the world has changed. Like, look at this amazing production. And I read so many articles that was like, this brand new amazing musical is, like, going to change the world. It's really has been the impact. Yeah. You know, exactly. everywhere it went, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a bit about its historical sort of impact? Yeah, let's do it. Um so the week that Hair opened on Broadway, the other major musicals that were playing at the time were Hello, Dolly, Fiddler on the Roof, Man of La Mancha and Funny Girl. Mm. So just like that's the picture that we're painting that's the world of Broadway at the time. Yeah, wow. So wildly different from Hair, these musicals, and really quite traditional, all of them. Uh, the context of the world was at the time like Martin Luther King Jr. had just been assassinated. The war in Vietnam was sort of in full swing. There were like race riots and like moratoriums on war. It was quite a tumultuous time in America and in the greater world generally. Um not unlike right now, to be honest, but I think part of the charm of hair is not that it deals with some shocking themes at time. Like I say shocking at the time it was quite shocking, but it's that it's so sweet and kind and accepting and Mm. safe. Um, It's a safe space. And even though it was countercultural at the time, it's so centered on love and acceptance. Like, like musicals did not, musicals were not that musicals yeah. were not ever a reflection of the world no. before then there would it was just like like well, telling a story that's right it was yeah. entertainment and sometimes yeah like serious entertainment like fiddler on the roof is not fluffy you know like that's yeah. still a serious Absolutely. That, but that is not holding up a mirror to society um so i think like before then we'd had musicals that had sort of skirted the edge of currency and relevance in the world in which they were performing but not like hair yeah um, this was not only the first true rock musical to ever exist um, but it was the first time that a musical reflected society yeah in which it was operating on such an international scale. Yeah. Like this was really like this was a global experience. 
Yeah, um, I read that it was the first rock musical ever on Broadway. Yes. It was also the first Broadway show to feature full nudity. Yes. Um, and, and in this case, by the entire cast. Literally everyone. It's um, not for long, just so everyone knows. At the end of Act 1, there's a scene where they all just take their clothes yeah. off. Yeah. But it's very brief and they all just, yeah. And it's also the first to feature a same-sex kiss. Yes. Like, like I it's know. quite groundbreaking, really. And, like, the level of profanity. Obviously, is like a lot of plays have that sort of profanity, but there were lots – there was just a lot of swearing. There's lots of – Yeah. You know, like, they talk about masturbation and sodomy and all the things that, like, Rent was controversial for. Hair did in the 60s. That's right. Exactly. You know, like 30 years before. Yeah. So hmm. – um, It was also interesting – so that nude scene, it ends Act 1. Yes. And literally, it is literally just like they all take off their clothes and they sort of stand, stand on stage, yeah. right? But I didn't realize that. Um, so, for what it's worth, as well, they, that wasn't in the original public theater production yeah. or the one at the disco. Um, that was that, that was, was the Biltmore. They wanted yeah. to do it, but they um, weren't like decided. No, it's not. So they did it for Broadway. Yeah. But at the time, um, when it was added back in, there was a statute on the books in New York City that said nudity was only permitted on stage as long as the actors weren't moving. Like I know, crazy. What, what the what the fuck? Anyway, that is why in the sixties and seventies, in those productions of Hair, the cast just stood on stage t- together in a row, nude and perfectly still. Is that some sort of weird like to prevent sex? Scenes Maybe or, like yeah, sex yeah, happening. I I would say you are exactly right. But like so wow. you weren't showing like sex on stage. Yeah. Okay. Like, so you could have nudity for a dramatic reason, but it couldn't be like. But that sexual. dramatic reason had to be you standing still. Yeah. How bizarre is that? <laughs> it is bizarre. Yeah. It also, like, um, I know other musicals had done it, but it, bre- it breaks the fourth wall a lot. And it also invites, like, audience participation. So there is, like, a be in in the show. So the audience yes. can come and, like, be on stage. And, yeah. And the tribe come out into the audience and, like, sit on people's laps and dance with people. And it's not, it sounds salacious, but it is not salacious. No. It is sweet. Yeah, it is it's, charming. A, it's more about inclusion and acceptance. Exactly. Than, yeah. And so, like, I fully, I think your dad, like, hit the nail on the head. It feels, it's a feel-good musical. Yeah. 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 Um, I have some fun facts, too. Yeah, same. This is really tenuously linked, but I found it fascinating. The composer, um, Gold McDermott, passed away in 2018, the day before his 90th birthday, which I also always think is fascinating, that sort of thing. But yeah. his twin daughters, Nummy and Sassy, died two years later, a day apart from each other. Yes, I, I actually read the same thing. Which Isn't I that- think. It's sad. just it's yeah. sad and interesting. And, yeah. And, and that's, that's like one of those twin things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It, like completely different causes, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. It was just, anyway. Crazy. Very tenuously linked. Um, Aquarius, obviously very famous song from the show. Yes. Was played more frequently on US radio and television than any other song in 1970. Wow. Yeah, it was massive. Four of the songs from this musical became like chart-topping hits. So I think, where have I got it? Okay, so four songs from Hair became chart-topping pop hits, so much so that most people, I think, know those songs as not from Hair. They just know them as pop songs. Like I think when you say, oh, no, Aquarius is from Hair. Yeah, Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In especially, I think. And Good Morning Starshine, I think. They've been covered so much. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, the the main hits were Aquarius, Let the Sunshine, Good Morning Starshine and Easy to Be Hard, but also the title song Hair was a big hit as well. Yeah. Like out in the world. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. On that note, so the cast album is still the last Broadway cast album to reach number one on the Billboard 200. Oh, wow. So Hamilton got to number two after it was released on Disney Plus. Yeah. But it, it uh, never got, it never to, got, number got one. to number one. Yeah. Shit. So they, they still hold that record. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool fact. It is, yeah. Um, I was reading a really great piece written by Seth Rudetsky on Playbill about nice. hair. Um, it was the first show that he ever saw. So yeah, he loved. So he we loves. should mention that 2004 Actors Fund he put on. That's right. He, do, he did all of those. So he yeah. talks about this quite a bit. Um, so this is a quote. Many performers involved in the original 1968 Broadway production went on to show business fame, including Diane Keaton, mm. Meatloaf, and in the 1977 revival, Peter Gallagher. Yes, that's right. Like we, we talk about Marsha Hines and people like that, <laughs> whose careers that launched lots of people were in that boat. Um, there were also great people who auditioned and didn't make the cut. Harvey Feistein tried out during the original run and didn't get in, though he was in the concert yeah. version. And future Tony winner Priscilla Lopez auditioned as well. However, it's easy to see why she didn't make the cut. Priscilla, who only knew it was a musical, showed up in her typical musical audition outfit uh. and launched into her signature audition song, sweetly intoning Raindrops on Roses and Whiskers on Kittens. Suffice it to say, no callback. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, similarly, um, Tim Curry and Richard O'Brien appeared in the original West End cast oh, together. Really? That is how they met. Of course, they later went on to write Rocky Horror together. Yes. Yeah. Did you know too that David Bowie auditioned for the London production? Oh, really? He got like four callbacks but didn't make it in. Oh, no. He's quite young. Yeah. Um, he was reportedly like he went and saw it and apparently didn't really like it. Like yeah. he was unimpressed by the show. Yeah, um, the the original Broadway cast also featured um, Shelley Plimpton. Yes, and she's um, actress Martha Plimpton's mother. Yes, and I think we've even maybe mentioned we this have. on the show because Keith Carradine is Martha Plimpton's father. Yes, Her, him and Shelley Plimpton had an affair doing hair, and that's how that's Martha how Pl- I think because he's done a few musicals as well. Hasn't yes, he? So I think so too. I think we must have discussed another musical that I he was in. I wonder why we were talking. Yeah. About- yeah, but I remember reading about that at the time. Yes, I remember talking yeah. about that. Um, this is also from Radetzky. According to Gavin Creel, during one matinee of the 2009 revival, Alison Case went to embrace one man in a nice suit. So, like, there's lots of that audience participation. Yeah. So she goes up to this dude in a nice suit when then she was, like, like treated like a criminal. Um, it turns out that Hillary Clinton was in attendance <gasps> that it was day. Like a... It was like Secret Service oh, agents. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, like you, they do these, like you, they come and hug people, and so that hug was like she was put into a headlock. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's... but also like that's why people hate audience participation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting that Hair was the first work by living authors that, that Joseph Papp at the Public mm. Theatre had ever produced. Yeah. So of course they'd only been doing Shakespeare in the park until that point um and that's cool i think it's worth mentioning that since then of course they've gone on to launch both a chorus line mm. and hamilton but like we've talked about the public and how groundbreaking yeah, their exactly. work is and this is just like oh yeah of course again like, i don't think i realized that it had originated there yeah wow um, yeah it wasn't uh, my understanding is that they didn't they probably got some sort of residual mm. um you know like payment or yeah. whatever from being the original um theater but they didn't like joe pat wasn't one of the producers when it went to Broadway, he decided not to. Yeah, wow. It was just this other guy. Yeah. So um, probably they didn't earn as much money from it as they would have from like a chorus line and that where they went on to produce them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like be a co-producer or whatever on Broadway. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah it's Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was um, – I, saw, I read an interview with um, with Jim Rado where – so he talked about – so him and, and Ragni uh, were actually in some sort of relationship together and he oh. didn't admit that until like publicly at least until like this 2008 interview when this next Broadway revival was due to come out. Wow. And it was – he's just – I think it was just like he said a lot of people like that they knew knew that and stuff like that. But like – so R- Ragni had been married. Mm. They both I think would probably – I think in this interview um, Rado described himself as like omnisexual sure. like, you know, and that was really the vibe of the yes. time, right, like of, of this sort of culture. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he had anything to come out about. No, Like that was exactly. just very much, but, yeah. But obviously it was considered taboo enough that – they wouldn't mention that they were in a relationship yeah. together at that time. Like that would not have been considered like yeah, of course. acceptable to say in the press, for example. Wow. But yeah, so so that is where like the Claude and Berger relationship is really autobiographical for yeah. them because that is really this sort of show of bisexuality on stage, mm. certainly, yes. um, that really hadn't been shown before. Yeah, wow. Um, I wasn't aware of that, yeah, but it makes sense. Which is really cool. Yeah, that's he, awesome. Um, he also talked about the time, one of the time after the, the nude scene, um, they walked down the aisle naked um, as like a bit of a prank, like so that when the lights came up, they were kind of there naked. And the next day, like, armed guards were at the stage door when they turned up for work and they had been banned from the <gasps> theatre. And basically, um, b- basically, yeah, like, uh, oh, sorry. So that was in, that was in London. Sorry. Yeah, right. And then they, and then they flew back to New York after that. And the same thing had happened. Like they weren't allowed in the Broadway theatre either. Oh, wow. And um, so they basically, they ripped a sheet off a bed in the hotel that they were staying in and wrote, we want our baby back. <laughs> and um, and it, they, they negotiated and they were let back into the show basically. Oh, wow. But yeah, I was like, oh, like that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, you go on. No, I'm Are you I'm, done? Yeah. yeah. So my only other one is um is that I had forgotten this, but NBC had announced Hair as one of its live musicals That's right. in 2019. Um, they later decided against it and pulled the plug, but, like, they had announced it and everything. I wonder and if a it's, lot of, like, still too controversial. Yeah, well, a lot of people theorised it was because, so Rent, Fox had just done Rent, which, yeah. of course, went very poorly for them, um, and... 
and that I think they just got scared and were like, actually, it needs to be only like we'll just super family friendly shows. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So um, that's a shame. And to be honest, like, I guess it depends why they're doing these productions. Yes. But yeah, like th- this. This would have been way too adult for, I'm sure, the audience that they were going for. Yeah, and also, like, let's not have any more of those live shows. Like, <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah. Because they're shit. I, I, I'm in two minds about them because I go, I don't really, well, for one thing, I don't really get why they're live. But, yes. um, like, just maybe just do a TV yeah, just, version of a musical. That's right, just film it. But I guess in my head I go, oh, look, if some kid mm. that can ne- can never afford to go to the theatre but yes. gets to see that. You know, like it is about yes. accessibility, right? Like yeah. I do, I well, do like that But then like there are it. other ways to do that. You can put things on TV yeah. that are better than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Should we have a, a bit of a chat about some of the themes and stuff? Yeah, please. In the show? What I, one thing I wanted to mention was um, – I didn't ever realise, but they describe this as a concept musical. Yeah. What did you think about that? Yeah, I sort of disagree. The only time I agree is in the the fact that there's not really a plot. Yeah. So, like, maybe, but not really. Yeah, so this article seemed to think it was the first ever fully realised concept musical on Broadway. I don't think so. I think we're thinking about that, like, retrospectively rather than it actually being intended that way. I definitely wasn't intended that way. And also, like, that's not really what a concept musical is, you know? Yeah, so... This describes it as a work of musical theatre where the book and score are structured around conveying a theme or message rather than emphasising a narrative plot. And and I think that that, like, so, for example, Company is probably one of the most famous examples of a proper concept musical. And I would say in that case, that is incredibly intentional, right? Oh, yeah, it was always meant like that. Same with Follies to a certain degree, like... Um, it is like, yeah, like that is how that show is written. Yes. And I don't think that's the case here. No, no, I don't think so at all. I just feel like the, the way that the show ended up developing was there wasn't much of a plot. Yes. Like, I don't think there was any intention. Like it was, it's very clear that there's some sort of story going on, but you just don't really get the full gist of it. Yeah. Which I think is very different. Yeah, exactly. And just because it's about lots of themes, like there are lots of ideas in it doesn't mean that it was meant to be. focused on that yeah a couple of other thoughts one is i think it's quite amazing i I read a lot about this kind of like um this sort of bisexuality that was shown on stage and how that real hippie movement um was uh really into rejecting like traditional gender roles Mm. especially in terms of masculinity Mm. and i i really it got me thinking about how that I don't think has actually like so many things about um, how gender roles and sexuality and all of those things we've improved on right in the 60s. We haven't since. fixed that. But that, yeah. you know, this whole thing of like um, I, I, I heard this interview where they talked about like men could be friends with each other and show each other physical affection. Mm. That was a really big part of the hippie movement. Mm. And that has we've really that. not. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that is not. Yeah. Still not very accepted, no. you know, in the way that it would have been then. Yes. Like we're still obviously working towards all types of sort of like gender as a social construct or whatever. Like we're still working on that. But definitely the idea of men being able to express emotions in a way that is not considered traditionally masculine in yes. inverted commas, that is not socially no. okay still, which yeah, is very sad. Yeah, so I thought sad. that was like, yeah, it's a real shame because yeah. it, like it sort of really goes into that. And you can even just like watching clips of um, – of like from the revival and yeah. stuff like that, like the way everyone in that tribe is so physically comfortable with yes. each other yeah. uh, is something that we haven't sort of mm. managed to overcome as a society. Mm. I just thought that was really kind of a shame and worth noting. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain a show like Hair could ever exist today. Yeah, even just the level of physicality I think is yeah. like we don't live in that world anymore. We yeah. don't live in a world where people touch or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the anti-war message yeah. and the anti-establishment like vibe of the show yeah. is kind of its existence is pretty much in direct opposition to the sort of capitalistic commercial musical theater that we have today. That's right. So like there's no way that a show like Hair would just like 
go to Broadway and not well, not in any authentic way. No, like, that's not right. Not in any way that authenticity wasn't just, that's is right. like incredibly rare. And hair is incredibly authentic. That yeah. would not exist. No. And like, like, I don't think I'm being cynical saying that. But no, no, no. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. It, it kind of can't. No, that is not the model that exists. It is not the. So spoiler: all the things that hair was on about, we failed. Yeah, we didn't get there. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, I guess this is sort of my kind of the the point that I got to in terms of the musical because I remember seeing it. Um, both those productions that I saw and being like, oh, I don't like hair. Like mm. it's not a it's not a good musical, right? Yeah. Like let's talk about what like a good musical yeah, in yeah. inverted commas is, right? Mm. And I do think that it's because obviously like with an amateur production, it's very hard to capture mm. what they were trying to do. But even in that that professional semi-stage version, I really think they missed the mark in mm. terms of this. Um, what I do think and I want to acknowledge is that like this musical, as we said, like really speaks to a moment in time, yeah. resonated with a huge amount of people, as we so said. So many people. But that by our like objective metrics of what makes a good or bad musical, it doesn't succeed. Mm. Like because it's, if you will, messy yeah. and incoherent at it times. Is, yeah. And the songs don't necessarily move the story along more. Like there's not really any coherence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, all of those things, like, obviously, like, great songs. Like, yeah. I really think the songs are great Oh, the in songs this are show. awesome, yes. Um, and great message, obviously. Yes. But, yeah, like, when we talk about whether a musical is good or not, mm. no, I, I, I like, yeah. it doesn't appeal to me on that level. No, but it is an incredibly important and worthwhile piece of art. Exactly. Like, a really worthwhile thing yeah. that is in the world. And in a way, I think it's better for us to look back at mm. those previous productions. I wish I'd seen the 2009 Broadway revival, mm. honestly, because by all accounts it was amazing. Oh, it just, it's beloved. Yeah, like, exactly. Yes. So I wish like, or like a really great, I wish I could have seen a really great production and see if it does capture that magic. Yeah. But like my exposure to it hasn't been that. And yeah. I don't know if it's possible. Well, th- I agree. Like I just, uh, yeah, there's a part of me that thinks I don't know if we could recapture yeah. that. Because, again, because it is just doing, like, yeah. if it's done in the commercial theatre. Well, you're just serving the opposite of the whole intention yes, of hair. exactly. Like, it's, a, it's a sticky point, really. Mm. Like, you are, yeah, and, and we'd love to think that, that those ideas of counterculturalism are so much more mainstream now, but they're just not like, like it's, and it, and it is in direct stark opposition to the idea of selling tickets and making money from theatre that, yeah. Which is what all of our theatres, you know, operate on. Like they have to. And there's even a sense too, because I was talking to my mum about it, because I mentioned, you know, she said, what are we doing? And I said, hair. And she's like, oh, hair, that naked musical. And I was like, well, it's almost got this like there's like a, a dirty thing about it now yeah. where where like I think people assume that it's it's sort of like a bit yuck and that's not what it's about. No. And like if we if we're equating nudity with something that's not okay, well then yeah. We've also got like a purity problem. Yeah. And I like I do think we've regressed in terms we, of that. We defi- well that was like, a big thing, right? After yeah. this after this the sort of free love and seventies. Yeah, right? is that like we went into 70s. a proper conservative like yeah. regression. Yeah. And I don't think we're out of that. No. Because because if we have people going like, oh, the naked musical, that's a bit yucky. Mm. Like, oh, really? We think nudity is a problem, do we? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. which is sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But then also all those hippies are the boomers now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Where are you guys? I know. What are you doing? Yeah. Help us. It's so, but I guess there were less hippies than – like they oh, yeah. weren't. They, they were weren't. the counterculture, that's right? right. Like, so them. that – the yeah. boomers are not those. I mean, you That's know, right. they are, are my the, parents, right? Yes. But they are not. They're not. The for majority. example, potentially your parents. Yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, I think they were too young for this. Yeah, you're right. Mine they were just like that children. Bit older. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'll still blame them for plenty of plenty of the world's problems. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm flooded in for the third year in a row thanks Indeed. to their environmental misconduct. Yeah. But anyway, climate change. Mm. Um, so I'll link to a few different recordings. Um, I'll link to the Broadway cast, yes. original Broadway cast, the film soundtrack, the Actors uh, Fund, the Actors Fund benefit recording, and, and the, the 2009 Broadway yeah. revival. Yeah, yeah. I don't really recommend the original. Sorry. No, I had a listen. I had a good listen. Yeah, it's it's like very it's very sixties and it sounds like the 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 way the band is working and like it's just it's a bit It's very of its time. It's just hard to listen yeah. to, I think. I think um We're just spoiled. One now. thing that they did when they 
cast the show kind of similar to, I guess, like Rent when they were casting is they really wanted, like they basically plucked people off the street to be in the show. Like they wanted them to be real hippies, yeah. which I think was would have been um, obvious in watching the show. Yes. Um, but it, uh, yeah, again, doesn't necessarily make for a great cast recording. No, you that's know? right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When we, if we look for like vocal prowess and those sorts of things. Yeah. Which is totally fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, so my gateway numbers. Yes. I've got Aquarius from the Actors Fund. So that's Lilius White singing uh, yes. it. Which I love. And um, also I got Life. Yeah. Which I love. And I've put the revival, yeah, the Gavin so Creel. Yeah, sweet Gavin Creel. It's just like it's it's unexpected and it's also just like it's the right energy for the show, yeah. I think. Yeah. Because I feel like at times Aquarius as an opening is taking itself really seriously. Yeah. Which is not the show. Yeah, exactly. So I've put the 2009 revival version of Aquarius. Nice. Um, I also put Let the, Let the Sunshine in the, like. The um, end. The end. Yeah. That is one of my favourite. Like, I love that version. It's Again, great. the 2009 it's a great revival. Yeah, yeah. That arrangement. And I just, like, the way it builds is incredible yeah like i've i've again like even before like researching this show i i've that's been one of my favorite songs for a long time and that that arrangement and everything i've also put the title song here from the actors fund concert uh which i've been obsessed with forever um uh which is the uh rala sparza as Berger. Yeah, nice and his shotgun Lovely vibrato Raul. doing doing yeah. that uh is just like perfection. Uh, I miss him. Yeah, I want him to come back to Broadway so bad. It's very selfish, yeah. but I miss him. I should also mention, I will add this. I haven't added it yet, but Shoshana Bean doing I Believe in Love. You're not a fan? Sorry. Uh, I, I think of any song she does, because she does all that like whistle tone stuff. I yeah. love it so much. Yeah. You I are think such she a sucker it. for tricks. Oh. You're all about tricks. But I don't like, I don't like runs. You don't like a whole bunch of melisma, no. Yes. But I don't know, this, the way this, this arrangement of that, it's not about her necessarily, mm. but the, the arrangement of, of the version that she does yeah. is like perfection. Nice. So I'm going to add that one as well. Yeah, chuck it in. Yeah. They'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, so yeah, hair. Yeah. Actually, actually pretty great. Yeah, bit of a surprise. Actually important. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Um, a nice uh, realisation, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Also, it's like it's because uh, like in all those um, musical documentaries that you watch, it's like and then hair yeah. and that's the turning point. Yeah. So I don't it know. Like, it was, it, it was. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, mm. absolutely. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. Ch- what is it? Tune in, drop in, drop out, whatever it is. It's what? Like, yeah, it's like tune in. Oh, it's, what it's, are you it's talking to do about? with dropping acid, but it was oh, like right. the line yeah, of yeah. the time. Yeah. As if I would know. I'm <laughs> such a square. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> that surprises me. I uh... Yeah, I take a lot of acid, so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Reed. Bye. Bye. Bye.